What is going on? Pardon my pancreas listeners and watchers. Hopefully it's okay that I, uh, I get a little vulnerable with you guys in today's episode because today, as you can tell, I got a visual aid because I want to show you what it looks like, uh, the, the painful lesson <laughs> that I learned from my blood sugars uh, over the last week. And uh, hopefully you're able to take some value from that, implement it into your lives, and avoid the painful mistakes that I have made. So, without any further ado, let's get into our theme song. I've spent the last 10 years pushing the limits while identifying trends and patterns in my type 1 diabetes management. Follow along as I learn, apply, and share the fitness, nutrition, and lifestyle strategies that I've learned from diabetes experts around the world. The real question is, how can we live fearlessly with diabetes while maintaining stable blood sugars? This podcast is here to give you the answer. My name is Matt Vandevecht, head coach and co-founder of FTF Warrior, and welcome to Part of My Pancreas. All right, so as you can tell, we got a whiteboard here. If you are listening, this might be an episode you want to check out over on YouTube. If you're not on YouTube yet, search the episode title and or FTF Warrior uh, on YouTube, you'll find us. But for those of you who are watching, you can tell I got a whiteboard behind me. I got to pull this bad boy out more often because it makes it a lot easier to visualize the lessons that I'm sharing. And uh, hopefully you can tell, even we get the ring light. Let's see if I can block it. There we go. You can see the patterns, right? It looks like a target. So we got the target behind me. And uh, it's going to be used to show you guys the lesson I learned. Last week we were traveling. So we were going through Tennessee. I took my wife to Nashville, Tennessee. It was for a business convention, conference kind of thing. Uh, but I said, hey, if you join me, because uh, I love traveling with my wife. She's awesome. I said, hey, if you join me, uh, we'll walk around downtown Nashville, make an event out of it, and uh, you know, sneak some travel, some tourism in there as well. She said, all right, let's do it. And she was a fantastic sport. Uh, you know, through the business conference, you know, learning stuff. It, it's not always entertaining to learn, right? But uh, the, the event itself went fantastic and uh, she did a great job. So each night we tried to have some fun, went out in downtown Nashville, saw the sights. There's a bunch of great live bands playing, uh, tons of people. It was actually quite shocking how many people crowded into the streets and it really felt uh, like one giant party. It was pretty cool. And of course, navigating the different uh, dietary culture, the different activity levels, the different time zones. Uh, there's a lot of different factors that come into play when traveling with type 1 diabetes, right? But the story that I want to talk to you about today was actually us traveling back to California. And so, you know, getting back on the flights, uh, the morning of, we took a, uh, a tour bus <laughs> and traveled around downtown Nashville, got the, the historic sites because my wife's a big fan of the history of the local areas and culture and all that. Um, and during the bus, my Dexcom was warming up still, so I didn't have blood sugar numbers. We're walking around a bunch. I ended up going low and I was a bit frustrated that uh, that caught me off guard. I had to chug a whole juice box in a bar. <laughs> so, I mean, I've never, as an adult, walked into a bar and then chugged a Capri Sun, a juice box. Like, that just sounds like the setup for a bad joke. Uh, type 1 diabetic walks into a bar. What does he order? A juice. No, anyways. Um, so that was uh, unfortunate, but getting to the airport had a second round of a low. I was like, man, I am just off today. And that was right after my Dexcom came back and uh, gave me some readings. And, you know, walking on the airport trying to search for food, and it caught me right off guard. My numbers were not reading correctly, and uh, I was about 30 or 40 points lower than what I, it was reading at. So uh, that would caught me off guard. But the story really has its true origin after those two frustrating lows. We hop on the airplane, 
and I'm uh, gonna have lunch on the plane. And it's a long enough flight where I was like, maybe I can even squeeze in lunch and dinner and then just arrive in our, our home and go to sleep, straight to sleep, because I'm tired. Uh, but the lunch that I had, had different plans. <laughs> and so long story short, uh, get into my pre-bolus, and if you don't know what that is, it's taking your insulin a little bit before you eat, right? Giving the insulin a chance to start working. And ultimately, I ended up skyrocketing. Now, uh, I'm gonna explain a bit why. We're gonna dive into what it says in this whiteboard right here, which is retroactive analysis, dig deeper. And today's topic really is retroactive analysis, identifying your blood sugar hotspots, right? And figuring out what we can source our current frustrations at. And so looking at the ultimate uh, results of that meal on the plane, uh, I ended up, I'll just give you the ending, uh, very high. I ended up at 274, and I was not happy with it, nor am I proud of it, but I said, you know what, this is where we're at, we need to figure out what happened and what I can do moving forward, right? So, as I'm finishing up my meal, you know, I'll walk you through the whole step. So I pre-bolus, I take my insulin about 5-10 minutes in, I take a look at my Dexcom, I have an arrow down and I am dropping quickly. I have an emotional response, and I think to myself, oh no, I don't want to go have an extreme urgent low on an airplane where I have, I mean, there's, they have sodas and stuff, but I have a limited supply of lows, right? I have what's in my bag and that's it. So I have an emotional reaction, you know, mini panic. I eat my lunch really fast because I want to get all the food in me before this low hits. And of course, five minutes later, Dexcom corrects itself and says, oh, just kidding, you weren't actually dropping. No, you're actually rising. I'm like, great, I have a wonky new sensor. Right, I just put the sensor in and it corrects and of course I know that there's a spike coming because I just, I consumed a lot of calories and carbs really, really quickly. So, of course it ends up spiking me, I go through the roof and I catch it at 211 arrow up. I'm like, crap, get up, let's go to the back, <laughs> doing squats. I don't care who's watching, right, because what is one of the most effective ways to stop a blood sugar spike? Outside of taking insulin, of course. If you have insulin on board, you can chug water, go for a walk, and you know a few other different options that I don't need to get into on this, this chat, but ultimately I was like, all right, I have a lot of insulin on board, I just need to get in front of the food digesting with this insulin, get the insulin working. So chugged waters in the back, talked to the, uh, the flight attendant, and was like, I need all your water. <laughs> Give me, I started chugging mini water bottles. I started doing squats next to her and she's kind of like uncomfortable and like looking at her phone trying to pretend that there's not a grown man doing squats in the back of an airplane next to her. And, uh, I kind of chuckled and I started doing some lunges and then I realized it's getting a little weird so I hop into the bathroom, start doing some squats in there and I'm just like, well, someone's probably waiting now to use the bathroom. Maybe I should just like take this one and, and deal with the 200 whatever blood sugar. Look back at my blood sugars, I am now 254. <laughs> and slants it up, I'm like, oh my goodness, this one's getting away from me. And I have not seen numbers that high in ages. And it is, I'm starting to feel it. I feel nauseous, I have a headache, my stomach is hurting, it's churning, right? And uh, I can feel this one really hitting me hard. So I'm trying to make decisions of what I can do while looking back at what the heck just happened, right? So first thing I want to do, I'm going to get my markers actually, if you can add to this whiteboard. What do you guys think, pink or brown? Actually, you know what? Pink rhymes with think, so we're gonna do that. Use the pink marker. Number one, right here, dead center of this target that I've drawn out, is gonna be the immediate, the current, what is going on right now. And so for me, let's drop this, let's go right like that. One is going to be, let me write this out, 
Hopefully you guys can read it. Hopefully it's big enough. Immediate. So center of the circle is our immediate thought process. Did I count my carbs correctly? Yes, the majority of what I ate had carb counts on the packaging, right? Did I take enough insulin? Yes, I have all my insulin to carb ratio set properly. Um, what else can I think of? Did my insulin go bad, right? Like, what is the current situation? What am I dealing with? High blood sugar numbers, it's not going as I planned, right? I am not enjoying this one bit. And uh, I start thinking beyond that because I'm like, yes, I counted my carbs. Yes, I took my insulin. What else could have led into this? So the current situation aside, what led into this situation, right? So now we start thinking about the second level of influence. So you have the second uh, shaded area on the target, right? We're gonna draw that one to the number two and say secondary. Now we're looking at what led into the immediate situation. So now we're starting to think outside of the bubble, right? Outside of the box. Um, with the secondary thought process, I enter this okay, why am, are my blood sugars high? Like, I don't see blood sugars as high, and by this point, I've hit 274. I'm on my second bit of walking around the plane, trying to get the blood pump and chugging all of my water. Secondary thought process is, you know what? Mm, emotions got me, right? The emotional reaction to what I thought was a blood sugar drop, and indeed it was not. It was actually pretty stable, but my CGM, sometimes on the first day, they can be less accurate. They can throw out some false readings, unfortunately, and so as a result, I saw Arrow down and I was like, I'm gonna die. <laughs> Just being real with you guys, being vulnerable. Uh, my thought process was, for some reason, that insulin hit me way too fast, and I need to eat all my food. So I made an emotional reaction, I made a choice to eat my entire lunch, which, mind you, was like, I don't even know, 100-something carbs, like, I, I lost track. But uh, that emotional reaction led to the food digesting at a much faster rate than the insulin was circulating, right? So the insulin and food was at completely different ends of the spectrum. Food was hitting me first, which set my blood sugars through the roof. So my secondary thought process was emotional reaction led to a reduction in my pre-bolus timing. So your pre-bolus time, most of us have different amounts of pre-bolus that we take, right? Some of us, it's five minutes, and depending on the type of insulin, your activity, your meal type, like the glycemic structure of the meal, a lot of things impact pre-bolus that you probably weren't told. Let's just be real. Uh, most, unfortunately, most uh, doctors, endocrinologists, aren't gonna go that in depth with you on any of these strategies, let alone pre-bolus timing. But pre-bolus, most of us have a set time that works pretty well for us, and if you're in one of my programs, you know down to the minute how much you should pre-bolus for different types of meals, right? Uh, and so I know for this specific meal, my pre-bolus was 20 minutes. So I should inject, and this is for me, this is not medical advice, right? I should take my insulin, wait 20 minutes, and then eat my meal. I started eating 10 minutes, half the time. So that emotional response led to me reducing my pre-bolus, which meant the food hit way before the insulin did, which means, yes, I can expect that high blood sugar number. So now the secondary, secondary thought process gives me a reason, a source, for my immediate blood sugars result, right? Like, the current situation is blood sugars are through the roof, higher than I would ever imagine from that meal, and now I can find a source as to why. Does that make sense so far? Hopefully this is making sense. So this, the immediate is what's going on right now, can I tie it to my carb count, my insulin, like something in the current moment. The second thought process, outer bubble, secondary, 
what led into this situation? Is there something else I'm not seeing in the immediate? But I wasn't convinced that that was the sole source of what's going on. Here's why. I completed probably, I'm <laughs> just guessing here, probably 200 squats uh, alongside lunges and calf raises and you know torso twists and all sorts of movements trying to get my blood sugars to come down. I kid you not, I probably drank a half of a gallon within 30 minutes, like doing whatever I could. Because I knew I had another two and a half hours on this flight. I didn't want to sit at 300 or whatever it ended up being at if I could help it. So. I did what was necessary and I thought to myself, I have exercised and there's also a point in time when exercise is no longer a good idea because you can develop ketones, so I know that's going to be in the comments somewhere. Yes, I'm aware of that. At the time of my exercises, I was still below 250 or around 254 at the highest. Um, and what I saw happen was it would dip down, exercise helped and I was like, oh, thank God, I'm going to be fine. And then it would creep back up. Quick, exercise more, dip down. And I stopped, creep back up. And I'm like, what is going on? So I was adding in corrections of insulin because I knew if something was off, I didn't have enough insulin in me. And that's where I got to the third circle, the third product, right? The third dig deeper of thinking processes. Uh, and so we get into really, well, let's title it, we get into the, let's write it out, far reaching. This is when we're grasping for whatever is way out there. What could possibly lead into the secondary, which we know led into the immediate, right? So we're getting into third, second, first. What is the reasoning behind the blood sugars that we're currently experiencing? And guys, this, this exercise can even be used as practice to start developing your thinking towards and analyzing your blood sugars, right? This retroactive analysis is essentially looking back at what we experienced or back at existing data to determine why the heck our blood sugars did what they did, okay? It's the same thing at like looking at history and you know, everyone says uh, hindsight is 2020. Same thing here. We're looking at our data saying, okay, what decisions did I make? What errors could there have been in, in existence? And it's hard to believe that we make errors, but we do <laughs> in, in trying to find what truly went on. And so looking at the far-reaching consequences, I'm like, all right, what has happened over the last couple of days that could have led into this, right? And we start thinking over things that can impact blood sugars over the course of multiple days. We think of sleep deprivation, we think of circadian rhythms, we think of stress levels, we think of hydration. All these things can impact blood sugars over the course of days and can snowball and they get worse over time. And if you, if you build up a sleep debt and you're not sleeping, it's going to get worse day after day after day until you get enough sleep, right? So ultimately thinking this over, I got to a place where I was like, oh, we're traveling, right? So different time zone, my sleep is a little bit off. We hadn't been going to bed until like one o'clock in the morning and we get up at 6.30 and it wasn't fantastic. But I was like, there's gotta be something else. Exercise. Oh, <laughs> one of my favorite topics, right? I had not worked out in like three or four days, which for some of you I know is like, that's nothing, right? But for me, I've built my insulin sensitivity up so much that when I consistently work out, I get to maintain it. But when I miss workouts, it alters my insulin needs. And this is actually true for all of you as well. As you experience different levels of activity, different types of workouts, different uh, duration and intensity of the exercises that you complete, you will see that there's a differentiator in your insulin sensitivity, uh, in how your body responds to food. Uh, you can actually consume more food based on the types of activities. You'll see 
your blood sugar formula shift slightly based on these different uh, factors, right? It's, it's, it's fascinating. Anyways, going into, I realize we're getting deep into this one and this is, <laughs> this is a talk I did with my clients and they loved it, but we had a bit more time to go through it. So hopefully this isn't too in depth for you guys. But what we're looking at is that I skipped a few workouts because we were at a business conference, right? And as a result, my insulin to carb ratios actually shifted. And now I'm thinking, gosh dang it, why didn't I think of this? And you know, you can't beat yourself up too much because ultimately we live in the immediate. We, it's rare to find someone that looks into the secondary. I just realized we don't have an arrow for the number three. There we go. The outer circle is number three, far reaching. Uh, and I'm just being honest with you, most people do not even consider secondary, let alone far reaching. You know, the fact that I thought back to my emotional reaction to a blood sugar that was rapidly changing led me to reducing my pre-bolus. I say that most people are listening to that and going, you, you thought about that? Really? I would have just taken more insulin and said that was weird, right? Most people were not trained by their doctors and their endocrinologists to think this way. And this is the greatest gift that I can give you is to think like me, not to give you the answers because the answers change. That's what makes type 1 diabetes so difficult for most people and so fun for those of us who understand the formula, the puzzle, what's really going on. Uh, I should be careful about saying how it makes it fun. It's not like truly fun. It's like, it's fun when you win, right? You're like, yes, I predicted my blood sugar. <laughs> That's fun. But ultimately, we were not taught to think this way. We were taught to compare how much insulin did I take with how much food did I eat. And that's it. You're lucky if you got an in-depth discussion about that alone, even the insulin to carb ratio, right? And before this video gets too long, I want you to understand that if you can develop a new way of looking at your diabetes, a new way of thinking about it, to think like an analyst, right? The retroactive analysis of our blood sugars, we can think back, not just the immediate middle circle, not just the secondary, but far-reaching. What is truly at the source of our blood sugar frustrations? I hope this makes sense so far. Uh, this is as far in depth as I can get in this video or that I'm, I'm going to get. Uh, I don't want to drag it out for an hour. And, you know, we can get, whoop, my music's turning on. Sorry guys, that'll be fun. Uh, you know what? I'm actually gonna, I'm gonna make a little joke. Check this out. On my laptop, you'll see the, the exact um, lesson that I built out for my clients. So there you go. If you can see that, <laughs> we've got the same graph that I just drew out for you. You can see, maybe you can see on the screen, it says immediate, secondary, far-reaching, except that's crayon, this is marker. So <laughs> uh, what we're looking at overall is a different way of thinking about your diabetes. And you have to adopt a new way of looking at this. We're no longer living in the 1980s or 90s when they're still trying to figure out how to measure blood sugar and what the heck leads into blood sugar fluctuations. We have technology these days, the CGMs, the insulin pumps, we have, and even if you're analog and you're writing stuff down, testing blood sugars manually, you have no excuse. There are ways that you can look for patterns with analog data. It doesn't have to be this fancy CGM stuff. Uh, it, it really is up to us to take care of ourselves. And with all the information available out there, you know, it doesn't even have to be through my channel. You can go on social media and check out diabetics worldwide that are curious, that are looking for new ways to take care of their diabetes and ultimately utilizing this new technology to do so. And if you feel so inclined to go check out the rest of our videos, binge watch them. Guys, there are hundreds of videos that I have put out 
that explain this type of thinking, where we go into the pre-bullets, how to lower your A1C, how to improve time and range, uh, avoiding complications, living your best life with type 1 diabetes. I talk about my 80-20 blood sugar formula all the time. You've probably heard me say that like a thousand times. And it's because I am so passionate about giving this information to help you to think differently, to help you to see this puzzle as solvable. And oftentimes you see people that are trying to solve the puzzle where the, the picture is upside down, it's face down. You know how hard it is to solve a puzzle where the picture is face down? You don't know where the pieces go. What I wanna show you is that if you flip the pieces over, there's a picture, there's actually a method to the madness, and if you know where the pieces go, you can see the whole picture. And life with type 1 diabetes gets a whole lot simpler. It's not easy, you still gotta complete the puzzle, but it's simple. All right, so hopefully this was helpful for you guys. Uh, as you've probably seen in my other videos, the reason I am so passionate about that 80-20 blood sugar formula is it gives you the tools to understand your diabetes, but also to stabilize and predict your blood sugars. I've said that so often, I feel like it's lost its impact, but predicting where your blood sugars are going to go, that's powerful stuff. So if that, if this, if all the stuff that I talk about is even an inkling of curiosity that's developing inside of you, I want you to check out that training. Learn about how I think about things. I talk about basil and bolus and exercise and food. I talk about all that stuff and more. Go check it out right now. Like stop procrastinating, start to take your own life with diabetes into your own hands. Stop waiting for somebody else, your doctor or your endo to fix it for you because they won't, they can't. It's up to you. All right, so uh, that training you can find over at diabetesinaction.com. If you like this video, if you like this style of teaching, let me know in the comments, hit like, hit subscribe, uh, do all that fun stuff, comment and let me know what you want me to chat about next. Uh, so I can bring the most value to you guys. And again, be sure to check out diabetesinaction.com for more of this a bit more advanced and uh, grab those strategies. All right, have an amazing rest of your day and keep up the fight.